Ball hit deep in the left center field. Wise back, back. Makes the catch! What a play! Wade Wise makes the catch! What a play by Wise! Mercy! This is the Shoeless Goat Podcast. Brent Brown drops the ball! He drops the ball! Three runs will score! You gotta be paping me! What in the hell are you doing? Hello and welcome back after a short hiatus to the Shoeless Goat Podcast, where Cubs, White Sox, and MLB podcast. I'm your host, Nick, and I'm joined again by the sad mayor of Section 509, Patrick Bovard. Pat, how you doing this week? I'm, uh, you know, I'm not as upset as you probably would think I am, given I'm taking the rational approach of if there's a lot of baseball left to play. To paraphrase the great Lovey Smith, um, the one thing I have to appreciate, though, is the fact that on one Sunday, uh, you know, on Easter Sunday, my Easter, not your Easter, uh, the White Sox were six and two going into the day. First place, I think the best record in the AL, three three and zero in series. And then on your Easter, they have lost seven in a row and are in a complete tailspin, and everything's on fire. Yeah, um, I was trying to make some sort of Easter analogy. Pontius Pilate came to mind. I have no idea how I was going to fit that in, so we'll just we'll chalk that as the seventh L of the week. Um, but oh, <laughs> Um, but in any case, yeah, uh, you've alluded to it. We'll wait to get to that point. Uh, Cubs didn't do a whole lot better uh, to make you, you know, Sox fans feel a little bit better because they, they, they do scoreboard watch just as much as the Northsiders do. So, uh, but in any case, they went two and five. I more or less have a little less to talk about. I'll start with the fact that I went to two of the games um, and the weather was not good. <laughs> um, we love April baseball night games. Uh, the Monday against the, the Rays was a nice one, and the fact that they won the game it was the only game they won against the Rays, but it did snow for a bit, lasted about six innings, uh, and then decided to uh, get on out of there. It was a little too cold, but it was 2-2 tie, you know, and they ended up winning it, got to watch it from cozy of a warm apartment, uh, the late win for the Cubs. So that was nice. And then I went Wednesday, and it was raining the entire time, so uh we decided to leave at about the sixth and head to Murphy's. And that's right about when the tarp got rolled out. The game did not go uh, the full nine, but it didn't look like um, the Cubs were going to come back from an eight two deficit in that weather anyway. So I was not uh, too upset about the, the early calling of the game. It was the right thing to do. Uh, and then <clears throat> I, I will say this though. Um, I would like some sort of acknowledgement of title, you know, now that I'm, you know, partial season ticket holder, I can't go full mayor of section 103, but maybe like uh alderman councilman Alderman's up there. Uh, alderman. we'll, we'll shop it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Secretary of public works, you know, you'll find something. Yeah. Water recreation specialist. I don't know. It's, it is close to the bathroom. So I think that would, it, it, it also, it, it's also just nice to pee in a trough again. It's the little things that you miss. Yeah, absolutely. So then the, the later in the series, you have the Pirates coming to town, hopefully get back on track after losing two of three to a tough Rays team. Uh, was not the case uh, because they lost three of four to a Pirates team that uh, has a lot more bad blood for the Cubs than the Cubs do the Pirates. Uh, but in any case, probably because uh, the Cubs put a 21 spot, three touchdowns on Pittsburgh, uh, 
pretty much sending uh, everybody super excited and then quite the letdown the next day on uh, on Sunday, Greek Easter Sunday, uh, to lose to the Pirates and not to tie up that series. So, I don't know. There's a lot of thoughts on that. My one question to you, Pat, is, like, why is it di- not disrespectful to put up 21, but if you're up by, like, six and you bunt, like, that's when people get upset? Oh, well, just ask A-Rod. Tw- you don't want to be up by 21. You want to be up by two. Um, I don't know. The whole thing is dumb. Like, it, I, I, I don't know. I, I agree with the Giants. Was that is it? It was Gabe Kapler who's the one who was getting into it uh, earlier this week. It's like it, they're not, if there's no slaughter rule, you keep playing. Yeah, I I don't care either. Like, I, it happened a lot. Um, I think it was Bumgarner who had a problem with it a couple of years ago or something like that, where they were like winning or losing by a lot. They were losing by a lot or whatever. And the other teams like stealing bags or who was it with Tim Anderson? Was it, oh, that was uh, the Royals. That was Brad that was, Keller. Yeah. Pitching. Brad Keller. No. Oh yeah. Now they even well, have the, the nationals. The, the uh, they were the ones that got into well. it this week. And Elcides Escobar, former Royal, of course, was the guy getting into it. Quite the culture they've built down there. Uh, gotta love it. Yeah. No, it happened again though with Tim Anderson, like stealing third base up like six runs or something like that, but it was a different game. Um, It was Verlander. It was Verlander who was getting all upset. Like one of the best pitchers, right? I don't know. I just, it's like weird. It's, it's all weird. It's such a loser mentality. Yeah, it really is. Like I'm, I'm all for it. I think most of my stolen bases in my little league career happened when the game was very much out of hand. That's what, that's when you get stats. Yeah, you got to pad those stats. Because guess what? Stats decide your contract for the yep. next year. Yep. And no one's going to remember that you stole that bag when you were up nine and they weren't going to throw anyway. It still counts as a steal. Yeah. The only way they may remember is if you're Yerman and you're hitting it off the uh, La Tortuga on a, on a lob. But, you know, we won't get into that this year. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, closing out on the Cubs here, uh, Patrick Wisdom actually got off um, – the I guess the cold streak he only had one hit coming into the week and he's raised his average quite a bit but I, I will give myself a little bit more credit it is uh, right when he came up I turned I turned to my girlfriend I said man he's due for a home run and he absolutely launched one uh, just like th- three to ten feet short of hitting the uh, the scoreboard on the fly so a little bit of uh, a little bit of base- baseball baseball damas there as we'll call it oh, but in any case I, it was I would good love to see Patrick Wisdom like get back back into it yeah you know it's a, one of those fun players you want to see get a little bit of success especially after what he did last year like obviously the 40 percent strikeout rate was a bit concerning but you know the type of guy you want to see have fun in this type of season yeah and i think that's what this season is oh, yeah. more and more about is having fun um it, which is also loser mentality but at the same time i don't see this cubs team not being uh a more loser than winner nope. but hey prove me wrong i guess right um but I, this week was this week was uh not an indication of of good things to come let's just put it that way i was gonna say i was doing a little bit of math when my head poked out there after the cubs scored 21 i decided to think so think of something it was how many games has it taken the white Sox to score 21 runs oh man that's that's tough have they scored 21 runs this year Seven, eight, nine <laughs> games their, their last nine games they've scored 21 runs total Oh my. Well, I hated the stats that were coming out afterwards. Like Cubs now have the third best run differential in the National League. It's like, yeah, when you get plus 21 on somebody, oh, it's going to, it's going to pay the stats a little bit. That was the Sox last year. They had like a couple big wins and then, yeah, it's just like, oh, run differentials off the charts, which then gets people mad because the Pythagorean wins should be higher. It's like, well, that's not, that's not how this works, but you know, I will never get April baseball. that upset. <laughs> yeah. April baseball. There's nothing. Um, 
you know, okay, so we're going to pivot to the Sox. Obviously lost all their games this week. Yep. Uh, I just want to say that there's not a more – there's not a worse fan base this could possibly happen to. Let's just put it this way. Uh, no, it's, we do not handle it well. Yeah, so why don't, you, life why don't you just take it over from here, Pat? How, yeah. how did this week go for you? I was a lot more excited to talk last week when we were in first, but uh, 0-6, so not good off there. Got swept by the Guardians and the Twins, our first uh, series against both. Not a great way to start the divisional season when, you know, you really have a chance to really set the tone. Like, they were 6-3 and three and could have really separated themselves. Instead, they lose six in a row and are still only a game and a half out of first. Uh, so, welcome to the 2022 AL Central. It's going to be fun. I I don't know. The way – I mean, the best way to put this is the offense didn't hit. They scored 12 runs in a week. That's not going to get it done. Tim Anderson and Andrew Vaughn are the only guys hitting over 260 of any of the regulars that have played the whole season. Uh, AJ Pollock just got back. Luis Roberts hurt. Yohan Moncada still out. Lance Lynn is hurt. Joe Kelly is hurt. Uh, Aloy now out six to eight weeks with the hamstring strain. So without getting into the games at all, that's about how it went this week. Um, got swept by the Guardians in Cleveland, had a couple of rainouts, and then a doubleheader where Dallas Keuchel went full meltdown and gave up 10 earned in one inning, and Tony just let him wear it most of that inning. Uh, had a bunch of errors that inning. I think TA had three throwing errors, just complete ugliness. The next, ga- the next game, uh, it was 2-1, a little bit closer, and then a 6-3 loss to end. It just really not competitive there. Uh, when we played the Twins, a lot more chances to win. First game was one nothing after an Andrew Vaughn home run. Again, no offense in great pitching. Uh, they ended up losing the game 2-1 to one after Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu hit throwing errors on the same play to give up two runs on a Carlos Correa, which should have been a ground out. Um, you also had, I, I believe it was runners on first and second with uh, one out in that in the ninth inning. Didn't score. Left lo- Yasmani Grandal on the bench. Pretty questionable decisions there. Saturday, they were never really in it. And the only thing that matters there was that Aloy got hurt running to first. So again, we're dealing with him out six to eight weeks, which is just brutal. A player like that, that's fine. You just really want to see him get out there. And that's just not been in the cards for him in his career, basically at all. Um, and then Sunday, uh, looked like a good game. Tim Anderson let it off with a first pitch homer, which, you know, gives this team typically when he does that, that means they're going to roll. Uh, they did not roll. As it turned out, and they lost after they were winning three to one. Byron Buxton took care of that, hit two home runs, including one in the tenth inning. That was a 460 some foot walk off off Liam Hendricks with one out in the ninth with first base open. So, I'm not I'm not going to get into meltdown mode. That's not me. I understand this is 162 games and there's about 147 left to play, and we're a game and a half out of first. Really not that big of a deal right now, and it's just frustrating that like basically half their games they've lost. If this came in September. July, August, I'd be pissed, but it's April. I'm not going to join the chorus, you know, calling for people to lose their jobs, despite a couple bad uh, managing decisions by Tony LaRusso, some bad defensive misuse. I can't do it for six months, dude. Like, at some point, I just need to be able to sit down, watch baseball, and enjoy it. Um, now, if they're playing like this in June, I will, but I just, I don't know. I, like, I just, I just, I see people losing their minds and everything, and I just, I, I'm like basically doing a reverse rant right now. Like I just, yeah. I, it, I feel like if I had hot takes, it would be better, but I just, I don't like, I can't, I, I can't get myself worked up about that. Anger is an exhausting emotion to maintain. So, Imagine trying to do so for six straight months when dude, you like, probably, you have the best team. In like the, if this is the, in the division, if this is, yeah. And that's the thing, the world is falling. Everything is on fire, lost seven in a row. And they're a game and a half out of first. Like, that's just it, it, like, it, it's just, it, there's no reason to panic like this because if this team is still hitting like this in June, I will pay somebody a lot of money. I would take a bet on that right now that that's not going to happen. There's too much talent. 
Um, the injuries are frustrating. The lack of hitting is frustrating. Having uh, Vince Velasquez and Dallas Keuchel get uh, absolutely lit up every time out there is frustrating. But really, you're missing a good chunk of your starting lineup. You're missing 40% of your rotation until Giolito came back and struck out nine guys in his return. I, I'm not worried at all long term. I just want to see some wins just because I can't keep going on Twitter every day and seeing this. Yeah, um, I guess I have a lot of questions. <laughs> but the first and probably most important is, if you had a, like a to create like a, a a panic matrix where you have level of panic versus date, where does the where do the lines cross on like the worst case scenario where your pan level of panic crosses a date in which the season like is you know manifesting itself? Is this me or I'm talking about the fan base as a whole? I'm talking about fan- you. I think it's already there the fan <laughs> with whole the fan too. base. People were calling for firings after losing on opening day. Uh, so, yeah, it's already – it's long past. Um, for me, dude, I don't know. It all depends on how it's going. Like, let me put it this way. If we get to June and we're two games up in the Central, that's going to be – it'll be annoying, but it's not that bad. But I would say if it's like, you know, a legitimate deficit in the division, five games, and it's late May, that's when I will begin to panic. Because at that point, something has gone wrong. Moncada's either still out or not come back. People still are not hitting. And at that point, it becomes more and more of a bigger sample size. I, again, I don't see that happening. But I would say probably Memorial Day weekend is the first real barometer, um, which is interestingly enough when the Cubs and Sox play on the south side. So uh, depending on how that's going, that could be a real fun weekend for me. Yeah, no or kidding. Or you. Or you. Yeah, I mean, fun, fun no matter what, if you ask me. But that's because the expectations for my team are just so low. <laughs> but It takes the pressure off. Gotten some good Easter conversation this weekend, though, um, and I am one of the few in my family who doesn't think the Cubs are making the playoffs, and I think oh, my mom oh, thinks no. they're winning the World Series this year. So, oh, I mean, I mean, I, God bless her heart, but uh, I do not want to see her disappointment come June. Yeah, but it's it it's inevitable if your expectations are that high, much like Sox fans. So I was going to save this question for the end. I can't. We're too on topic right now. There. Um, what? At what point do you call for a midseason firing of Tony La Russa? Uh, I mean, if there was going to be a time, it might be after he pitches to Byron Buxton with first base open two times. Uh, so a couple days he didn't ago. want to face Luis Arias. I don't know. Like, I would say if they are not in first by – it's a hard question because I would say if they're not in first by Memorial Day, then you might have to do something. The question then becomes, A, who replaces him, and two – Jerry Reinsdorf would not let that happen. That, which, so, which makes it a little bit more difficult. And I don't want to use Memorial Day again. I would say, like, because it, it also comes down to our guys hitting or not. If they're not hitting, Tony's not going to get up there with a the bat and do it himself, which would be entertaining. But uh, let me put it this way. I'm going to say for a legitimate firing go with my rational hat on, which I went with the luck of the Irish for this week, trying to get some good vibes. I'm going to go – the all-star break, just because that would be around when Aloy is back, around when Lance Lynn is already back for a couple weeks. So theoretically, they're at full strength. If things are still sputtering, then then it would be time to move on from a logical perspective, which will not happen again because this is a Jerry Reinsdorf-run team, and he went against logic to bring his friend in, and he will not be fired unless he leaves his, of his own accord. Okay, so at what p- part of the standings within the all-star break would you consider a firing now? What if they're like half a game up? Am I running the team? Yes. Uh, it, it, it's treading. It's 
the first place. If they're not in first, I would. You have to, like at that point, you have to make a move. This is the division is too weak to. Assuming he's still making managing miscues and it's not just the team playing like garbage, uh, it, like th- this team is too talented and the central is too weak to not be in first place by the All Star break. Because then you're just inviting the Twins to hang around with whatever garbage pitching they have. You're inviting teams to make moves at the deadline. Uh, I would say anything less than first place by the All-Star break is just entirely unacceptable for what the season should be. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Now, that's the thing, right? Like, when Joe Madden was making questionable decisions, he always, throughout his entirety, was there was having calls for his firing. Tony made some weird decisions in the last you know, year, but they weren't as, like, blatantly obvious and almost like cringeworthy as they've been this last week. I want to No, say. this was bad. I mean, last year, I guess you had what you had the Yerman incident you had at the time in Cincinnati when he had Liam Hendricks run on third base because he didn't know you could pinch run for him. But after that, I kind of, I mean, they had a 10 game lead in the division and all the angst went away for the most part until the playoffs. But like this week was just weird. Like just not pinch hitting for guys like pitching to Buxton because he thought I think the quote was that Luis Arias was up on deck and the quote was, well, he feasts on fastballs. And it's like, well, Byron Buxton is the top 10 player in the game. Like I, I would rather get beat by the less good, good player than by the very good, good player. You know, I'm a numbers guy. That's, yeah. That's playing the percentages. Yeah. I just don't let Buxton beat you. Right. It's he just hit, like he had I, hit two home runs already in the series. Yeah. So it's like, it's one of those things where it's, it, it's don't that's let the stuff. I'm not the guy that's going to be like, Oh, Tony, like Tony sucks because the, Tim Anderson had three errors and all this stuff. But like that type of stuff is just like for a hall of famer is completely like, just can't happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess you are ready to move on Pat. Um, and candidly, like candidly, it's like, I sure would like to, um, I candidly, I have not picked a player of the week yet. So I will use your time. I, of picking your White Sox player of the week and or lack thereof and rant on why not yeah. anybody makes it. <laughs> you're you're not going to have much time then. I know. So just give me, give me, give me like two minutes. Just go for it. Yeah. So there is no player of the week. I remember this came up two years, I think two years, three years ago now, 2019. I get the like, years all messed up these days. Back then there was a week, the White Sox, I want to say in August, which was actually the last time they had a seven game losing streak, uh, lost, lost an entire week's worth of games. I said at that point, and I still remember this, if you lose every single game you play that week, there is not a player of the week. And unfortunately, because I made those rules back then thinking right. it wouldn't be happening anymore, I have to stand by it. So there is no White Sox player of the week this week. Uh, I would say maybe if I had to pick someone, I'd go with Michael Kopech just because, you know, through three stars. I'm not naming him. This is just me saying if I were to name someone, this is who it would be. Uh, had another great start. Has a sub one ERA through three starts. Is looking every bit at the top of the rotation piece to have. But when the team can't pull off a single win in seven games, gets swept by two divisional opponents, and loses in excruciating fashion, and half those games pitching the guys they shouldn't, giving up a bunch of home runs there at the end, not able to score anything at all, no player of the week. I think that's fair. I think I agreed to that rule previously, yeah. so you got to stick with it at this point. Um, and thank you for uh, expanding the way you did so I could look up the Cubs <laughs> player of the week, Alfonso Rivas. Ooh. Uh, never thought I'd go that route, but... Hey, you only win two games, and you scored 21 runs in the one game. So I'm going to go with the guy who played the best in that 21-run game, and that's Rivas, who had five RBI. 
um, and then really didn't play a whole lot the rest of the week. So um, I don't know. That's the one thing that Joe Madden always did well, almost sometimes to his detriment, is play the hot hand, and Rivas didn't get a whole lot of looks after that. Um, but in any case, you get five five of the 21 RBI in a game. You deserve Ooh. my player of the week. Uh, I recall he uh, Joe Madden played Matt Caesar in a game after Villanova had won the Basketball National Championship, and he had a game-winning home run or hit or something like that. So, hey, there's a method to the madness. It got me a ring. But, yeah, in any case, I would have liked to see Revis get a couple more swings at the end of the week, considering he is batting like 455 on the uh, on the year so far. So 2022 Yerman? Basically, yeah. Well, maybe we can flip him. Or I hope Rivas doesn't retire mid-season, though. Yeah, that'll come back the next day, just like the mighty Phoenix. Yeah, rises from the ashes. Love to see it, Pat. All right, we were going to keep this episode short um, for a number of reasons. One, there was two wins between the two teams uh, mm-hmm. as well. You know, it's, I mean, we're just going to keep going back to it. Um, but in any case, Pat, what do you got for this week? What What kind of hope? do White Sox fans have? Give me, give me uh, a, some words of wisdom a la Patrick wisdom. I, you know, I feel good when I said that pretty much the last three games, I thought I felt good against going into Cleveland. I felt good going against Minnesota. Um, I think the Royals is where they're really going to have a chance to, I mean, if they don't get the bats going against the Royals, we're going to have issues. Uh, Daniel Lynch is one of the guys pitching for the Royals and he's a guy they've lit up multiple times. Granky too. Uh, they kind of went off against him in the playoffs last year with the Astros. So I'm not too worried about that. Again, it's like if they don't get going, there's a lot deeper issues here. Um, but you should have at least a good start there, especially because you've got seats lined up in one of those games. Uh, I believe Kopech is going to be lined up as well. Um, and those guys have been pitching great. The pitching, for the most part, outside of a couple of hiccups from, well, Keiko and Velasquez, but whatever. Um, Hendricks and Bummer, who I would bet any money are not going to actually be bad because I'm going off a three-year sample size and not just two weeks, unlike some people. Um, pitching has been great. All you need is an offense that is full of potential all-stars to start hitting, and I think that's only a matter of time until that does. Uh, Tim Anderson let off the last game with the home run. He's hitting over 300. Andrew Vaughn has been playing out of his mind this year. Uh, another weird thing by Tony, not playing him every day, but I think you know this Royals team is still just not good, and I've probably said that about Cleveland and Minnesota, but still, I think getting them at home after this road trip is going to be big. And then you got the Angels over the weekend. Um, I don't know. They got a good offense. I just They're still the same Angels in my book. I'll also be at two of the games, and so far I'm 2-0 this year. The last game I was at was when they shellacked Robbie Ray, and it was also the last time they had scored four runs in a game for quite some time. So uh, I think that's got to be a good luck charm there somewhere. I would like to think so. I would like to add to that luck with a bold prediction. Okay. That bold prediction is that both the Cubs and White Sox second baseman will hit home runs this week. Ooh. So you have either Lurie, Oh, or geez. no, I can't. I, I didn't. I didn't talk about him once during the recap. I know. I. I was How did I not say, mention him hitting third or second? You know what? Hey, maybe when he hits his home run this week, Tony will put him back in the top of the lineup where he so belongs. God bless him for hitting that home run in the ALDS against Houston, because that is all I will remember him by now. <laughs> hey, if Coach says you're batting third, you're batting third. You're not going to argue with that. That's all I'm Especially saying. Especially not a point. Especially not when Coach is a Hall of Famer. Exactly. Um, and, and Nick Madrigal will also uh, hit a home run uh, at second How many base. he's got this year? Like five or six? He, he's on his way. All right. Okay. He, okay. he will get his nine, as predicted a couple episodes <laughs> ago. Hey, 
All I'm saying is, I think Mike Fontenot had a year where he had like 16 or 17. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's possible. Scotty Potts went a full year without hitting one and then hit a walk off in the World Series. That's all you really need. And that's what he's most remembered by, anyway. It's that, exactly. that specific one. Uh, honorable mention before we close it out, uh, I just want to give Yadier Molina a congratulations on finally passing Jason Kendall in war as well as uh, Jason Hayward in B war. Um, thank you for sending me that Pat. Uh, it made beautiful. My week. Yeah. So um, I guess that's how we have to close it out. Right. Yeah. So there's no other way. So Pat, um, like I said, uh, sunny days ahead, especially uh, as the on. weather starts to turn and hopefully the games I sit at next, I won't be getting snowed on. I think my next game I'm attending, the Dodgers will be in town. So maybe a little bit of bare weather as well will be will be good to, to keep the Dodgers at bay. Uh, but in any case, that concludes our episode. Of course, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, it's on Chicago.com. If things get a little bit worse on the south side, we're going to see a lot of fire and brimstone articles from Pat and Max. So uh, uh, fingers crossed in that regard. <laughs> Oh, well, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but in any case, thank you so much for listening. Go Cubs, go White Sox, go MLB. And remember, everyone, as always, and as proven, Yadi Molina is not a Hall of Famer. Same old